Terror. <laughs> Spooky. I can't do it. It's terrifying. That was, the, that was the best I could do. Sorry. Let me go back to my regular voice. Hi, welcome to the Star Bros Podcast. I'm joined here by my bro host, Jan Solo. And I'm here with my bro ghost, Ben oh, Skywalker. Oh. Well done. <laughs> Thanks, I've been thinking that. about I've been thinking about it all day. Oh, I was just thinking, don't miss an opportunity to say bro host <laughs> all day. And I actually remembered this time. And then you go and pull that on me and surprise me. That was pretty good. Well, thank you. Well, what's special about today's episode, dude? Uh, well, the fact that I started out with a voice that is very uncharacteristic for me. Super creepy. Uh, very creepy. Um, that might have been creepy in a different way. <laughs> we are going to be doing our Halloween special, almost yeah. like The Simpsons, if you are a fan of that and know the, what is it, the Treehouse of Terror, right? The Right. The Treehouse of Terror, which I think is now... 47 years running or something can you believe that but no it's the treehouse of horror and it's our 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 series is going to be called the cantina of terror if we ever do another episode so far (laughs) not so great this this is off to a great start what are you talking about i'm just messing (laughs) well we are excited to be with everyone again today and to celebrate what is a fun holiday for many people i will be completely honest it's not one of that I, I typically go crazy for because I don't typically dress up or anything, but I there are aspects of it that I love, and it is not just the candy. I mean, yes, I love candy. and I Who love, doesn't? What's that? Who doesn't? I mean, if you don't, I don't trust you. I really don't. <laughs> and it could be fruity candy, chocolate candy, whatever it is, but you got to like some kind of candy at least, right? Yep. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm more of a, a chocolate guy. I'm, I'm a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Um, I like some of the fruity stuff too, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, dude, where I'm not into like hardcore Halloween stuff. I, I like the season. I, I like the, uh, slightly spooky vibes. I'm like a Halloween light guy. Uh, but in terms of like slasher movies, heavy duty horror stuff, that's not for me, but, uh, yes. we, we were discussing that there's a lot of, in star Wars, there's a lot of suspense. There are definitely dark moments. They're scary things, and that's what this episode's going to be about. We're going to highlight some of the darker side of the saga, and um, we've picked a few different things that we want to spotlight, uh, and we're, we're tying it into the season. We're tying it into a holi- the, the, the holiday of Halloween, which we'll get into the roots about uh, a little bit later, but yeah, we're going to do our best to make it a little spooky. <laughs> For example, what do you have up your sleeve? What do I have up my sleeve? Yeah. I might have some sound effects. I cannot wait to hear it. <laughs> Who are these sound effects from again? Oh, um, from a completely uh, free site, which is a lot of fun, called zapsplat.com. <laughs> you are not making this up, right? <laughs> no, and zapsplat.com is not like some like weird German site. Like It's a completely normal uh, website where you can get all kinds of uh, free music and free sound effects. And, you know, one of the things is they just ask you to give them a shout out. So uh, go to zapsplat.com for terrific sound effects, uh, many of which will be featured in this episode. (laughs) Well, you should have done the intro with a voice like that. All right. Well, before we get started with things, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, This is one of my favorite times of year. I feel like I've said that before, like we're getting into fall. Yeah. It's getting a little bit cooler. I am one of those people, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm one of those people who, after Halloween, it is Christmas time. <laughs> and what would happen to Thanksgiving in there? Just forget that. Well, you know, Thanksgiving has um, 
uh, an undertone of Christmas in the background too. It's just like yeah. Christmas slowly intensifies for me. Oh, it, um, it totally does. And and we were actually we were messaging with uh, the Broaxium guys, the Broaxium Bro hosts, I should say, yesterday, and we were talking about some of the uh, exclusive action figures coming out, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the the Christmas troopers and um, yeah. Uh, one of our bro hosts, uh, Daniel Miller, is pretty hyped for those. He's pretty pumped for those. And I'm with him. I, I think that Christmas Star Wars, that that's a combination made in heaven for me. So we're getting into my happiest time of year. How about you, dude? How are you? I'm doing well. I, it, last week was a bit of a crazy week. It was Jude's first birthday, I think. That's I right. A, Happy birthday, Jude. Yeah, to our, our little buddy, our little budding Star Wars fan, hopefully. Um, I posted a picture of him in one of his onesies, one of his many Star Wars onesies. So I'm trying to do the little things to make sure that he becomes a fan. Yeah, he's Let's got hope a lot. It of, actually, he, turns out he's got a ton of good Star Wars stuff already. At one, I know they. It must be my parents or her parents, my wife's parents that know that we like Star Wars. It's usually everything that we get is either Detroit Red Wings stuff because of my you know, love for hockey as well, Star Wars. Or uh, Marvel, probably. Oh, it's, yeah. It's usually one of those three things. Those it's, are your fandoms. Those are my fandoms. And if you can find something for me in those camps that I don't have yet, I will take it. One of the funniest things I ever got, and I won't let them live this down, is from my mom. Uh, actually, it's from my mom and my brother. This kind of shows how desperate we've gotten for gifts in our family because I pretty much have everything Red Wings. They got me a gnome one year. I th- yeah, I've seen that at your place. Probably, yeah. My brother got me that. He it's just like a like a six eight inch garden gnome kind of little dude with the it's beard tall. and the pointy hat. Yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of fun and, and cute. It's on my little shelf, so I like that one. And then the other one that my mom got me maybe the next year was a rock. What What do you mean? <laughs> like a rock with the Red Wings emblem in it. Ooh, okay. And that, I was like, wow, we have literally reached the bottom of the barrel at this point. <laughs> I was so grateful for it, but that just shows how much stuff that I had. So, and Star Wars is, it, it is not possible to get there with Star Wars because there was so much. And we'll actually get into this in a little bit when we talk about uh, Mando Monday. But yeah, there's just so much Star Wars content out there that I, I don't think I could ever scratch the bottom of that barrel. No, dude. And just thinking about in the kitchen alone, all the different things that I've had or you can get, like the, uh, Death Star pizza cutter. Oh yeah. Um, all the different like cookie cutters. I think I had Star Wars oven mitts for a little bit, and that's just one corner of the house. Like that, you'll you'll never run out of Star Wars merchandise because they'll, you know, if if I think if it's a quality product, they'll license to anything, anything. Ice cube trays. I had Han and Carbonite ice cube trays. That's awesome. It was awesome. They weren't all that practical. Because like the the shape of the Han and Carbonite, you know, this in your glass or something, it, it, it like doesn't make sense. It's, it's like too big. I'd smash it up. Um, <laughs> but a cool concept, right? And so totally. like if the concept is interesting and funny and it works, I think you know they'll they'll license to just about anything. So there's no chance that well will run dry, and you no. will always have new Christmas gifts. No, exactly. So uh, for years to come, which I am grateful for. But anyway, to answer your question. I'm doing well. Great. I'm excited to get into this episode. We've got some fun things to talk about related to Halloween and Star Wars. So Not fun. Creepy. Spooky. Dark. Spoopy. <laughs> you ever hear people use that word? No. I, I, <laughs> I thought you did a typo when you posted that hashtag to Twitter today. <laughs> so that was awesome. Th- there's uh, an internet meme. Um, I don't know if you've been on the interwebs. 
but uh, it's full of memes. Um, Is it now? <laughs> too too spoopy for me. Have you have you seen this meme? No, you need to explain this to me. Too too spoopy for me is um like most horror movies for us. Like they're just like it, it's too much. Like yeah. a, a little bit of a little bit of spoopy is okay. Yeah, but too much spoopy. I'm and- gonna take you seriously every time you say that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what what does it mean? Like where is the why replace the K with a P? <laughs> So, so that was that was very spoopy. Okay, but I still don't know what it means. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was, um, I think it was a typo that stuck. Oh, really? But, so, but, uh, so if something is too spooky for you, then people would write too spoopy for me. Um, <laughs> but then that that didn't that didn't cover it. So they ramped it up to three spoopy five me. There's, there's not enough time to explain this to me. I don't think we just. <laughs> uh, I that, can't take that seriously. <laughs> really? It was. I thought it was pretty spoopy. No, I thought it was, it was a three spoopy, spoopy five yeah. five me. Uh, well, before we get completely off the rails, let us get into uh, more to the. No, not more to the story. Where are we? What did we start to? We're, we're going to do some news from across the galaxy. News from across the galaxy. Thank you. So we got a, a few little tidbits this week, and I started it off at the beginning. So let's let's keep on to Mando Monday for a second. Yeah. We had our first Mando Monday, and a lot of Star Wars stuff came out then. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're a fan to of anything, if you like to collect anything, they probably release something that you like. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoes, toys, socks, you name it. I think there was some digital stuff that they added to Squadrons where you could have Baby Yoda on your uh, little console or something. Uh, I didn't see that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like you know, a little bobblehead. That, uh, it looked pretty cool. So, yeah, a lot of stuff that came out this week. Uh, Funko Pops, right? Things that uh, I think there was a Mithril that came out, something from Season 2. Yeah, and, and they did a whole YouTube video about it where they had some guest stars. Cool. And they had, you know, Grief Karga there to introduced some toys and and i think people learned that he was also an avid collector himself in that moment so apparently oh i didn't know that wait did he was it carl weathers or was it um him doing the character of grief karga no i said grief karga because i just spaced on his name for a moment okay yep (laughs) i was like the great carl weathers carl weathers uh an american treasure yeah he's so great I love him in Arrested Development, by the way. There's my Arrested Development plug for him. Yeah. <laughs> you worked it in. Nice. I did. We, that was just, just a few minutes into it. it. It was Carl Weathers. That's all I had to say. Yeah. Um, there's some good meat on that bone. Uh, <laughs> that's a Carl Weathers line, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so it looks like some pretty cool stuff that they announced, all to get you pumped and excited for this Friday when Mandalorian Season 2 officially oh comes out yep chapter nine um there are rumors that it's going to be uh close to an hour long which was that's yeah. departure from the first season where the episodes frankly were bite size and i think something well, that there was still probably 40 minutes in most cases yeah I, so maybe maybe it was my appetite was beyond what they were giving me every week and and oh fair uh, yeah. I, I feel like that was pretty deliberate and um we were having this conversation with some work folks the other day about how this was another another way that it was a departure was the fact that an episode would come out every week. And that's the way that people used to watch TV before mm-hmm. binging the Netflix truck backs up to your house and dumps a whole season on you at once of every show that they offer. 
And that that that's just how we've gotten used to enjoying television. And it's how we've gotten sucked into um, losing a whole weekend at a time. But this, I like this approach where I hope they do this thing again, where on Friday mornings, they would release that week's music for that chapter. And, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And, and I would... On the drive to work or sitting at work, I would listen to the music and read the, the song titles and try to sort of anticipate what the episode might be about. And one of the things I think The Mandalorian did so well was each episode was like a contained story. Mm-hmm. And they did a good job of switching up the directors and the style and the things like that. And I'm hoping that continues into season two. And it's crazy to me that With we get director? season two this week. Yeah. Yeah. No, but your point about the directors, I think they did. But I don't know. Do we know who directed each episode? I know that we found out who wrote each episode, and a lot of it is is Favreau. Yep. And then uh, occasionally there's some Filoni mixed in there. Mm-hmm. And then there was one episode that was a, a bit of a grab bag. It was somebody different. I can't remember now. I, yeah, I don't know if we've seen the director's names yet. But I don't know if we've seen the director, so we will find out. I think it's a, a very same set or very similar set of directors from season one. So that would be terrific. I'd be all yeah, about that. I'm totally cool with that. Uh but yeah, lots to get excited about. Was there anything that was announced during the Mando Mondays in terms of merchandise, memorabilia that you might sign up to get? Uh, I did see there is a, a like a remote controlled Baby Yoda. Yeah. Do you see this? Yeah. Uh, I think we, we might have retweeted it and, and we're at Star Bros Podcast on Twitter. But you sort of you put on this like bracelet watch thing and yep. it's got buttons on it and you can control the baby Yoda and the baby Yoda does its little gestures and giggles and whatever, uh, or it can just follow you. So you can be like Mando. Creepy. He can just follow you. <laughs> Sorry. I just keep thinking of grief Karga going, he's going to eat me. <laughs> Do the magic hand thing. <laughs> but yeah, so he can just follow you around as, as you walk around um, your neighborhood, scaring your neighbors, wearing your armor. And having Baby Yoda follow you Is that what you like to do is walk around your neighborhood scaring children and (laughs) maybe their pets too? I just go to my local bar and and order some bone broth for him. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I I saw that and a couple of other things that I thought were all pretty cool. But um, nothing for me right now is overshadowing the fact that that show is coming back and that we're going to be talking about it, right? We are. So there's another subtle little announcement that we wanted to make part of the news from this corner of the galaxy, we are going to be introducing a new segment that we'll be calling First Watch. And soon after one of these episodes drops, we will be meeting you and I over a little thing called Zoom that we've become accustomed to lately, Mm -hmm. right? And dropping a special episode, a First Watch episode. So look for that around the same time actually that this episode will drop. And we'll even try to get it on YouTube. So if you really like to, uh, you know, listen to your podcast on YouTube, we're going to be slowly expanding to uh, be on there uh, on that channel on the Bro Axiom channel actually. Yep. So be on the lookout for that. We're really excited to bring you that and our reactions. And you know, maybe you'll finally get to see our faces and what we look like on a Saturday morning before we've, you know, cleaned up for the day. I'll probably clean up, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really no pumped promises. about that, and we're not gonna spend a whole ton of time kind of uh, over analyzing. It's really going to be no. uh, our, our reaction to our first or you know maybe second watch if we can squeeze in a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, we're passionate fans about that particular show and the direction it's heading in. So I think we're going to be excited to talk about it every single week. And that's a good point that you make. We won't leave our Mandalorian conversations just to the first watch. So if you really like to just listen to this show, which we hope you listen to both, that one's going to be our reactions. Mm -hmm. And then our episodes, we will be covering the Mandalorian, not in every single episode. I think what would be good is if we kind of recap it or... Uh, wait until middle of the season to uh, cover the episode that's come out. So we'll we'll have to figure that out yeah. once we actually see what we get. Yeah, right. It was a little bit easier with our Mandalorian episodes that we've already released because right. we were able to wait until the end and figure out how to chunk it up uh, into those you know acts. Yep. And so that that worked really well. But we'll have to figure it out for this one. But tune in, listen to us, uh, react to the episode, uh, talk about our favorite parts, and then. There's another piece on the Bro Axiom channel that you can uh, engage with to learn more about Mandalorian. And that will be from our bro host, Daniel Miller, who is going to be starting up his own little recap. And he's going to call got it a phenomenal name. It's phenomenal. Are you ready for this? I, oh, you introduce it. Me? Yeah. Okay. It's called The Dandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a good sound effect moment if you can get one quickly enough. <laughs> Uh, we are excited for the Dandelorian. I think that's I, I I chatted him after I was like, can I do something with that? Like Bendelorian? That doesn't sound as good. No, I, Dandelorian. I like, I like Bendelorian too, but I, I think he's cornered that market. I think it's the Dandelorian, and we we have first watch. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, I'm just expressing a little bit of that jealousy right now. I guess right. <laughs> yeah, he nailed it. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> good. Wait, no, not good. Uh, so make sure to tune in for those because those will be some very exciting things to listen to. Yep, for sure. One more piece of news. Actually, there was a lot more news that we could cover. Gosh, they talked about Life Day and and what to expect out of that Lego special that's coming on November 17th. That's right. I mean, that's just around the corner too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Kelly Marie Tran is coming back. Mm-hmm. And, and they said that there's going to be a Ray and Vader fight. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Interesting. We'll see if that's true. We'll see if that happens, but that will be interesting. Yep. But I think they're trying to mesh up all these different corners of the galaxy into one episode. And it's supposed to follow like right after Rise of Skywalker. Mm. So it'll just be curious to know if, uh, you know, how well it will stick. Because I don't know if technically the holiday special is canon. I don't think think it is. It might. Yeah, I don't know. I know that George Lucas really hates it, but... That's really it. <laughs> so should be interesting to see how they treat this one once it comes out. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, I think Life Day might be canon. It is canon, w- yes. Wookie Life Day, and, and that's the origin, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it might be. It's just whether or not that holiday special is, but Life Day itself right. is okay. canon. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, what an interesting fandom we have that we're having these conversations. It's so interesting, isn't it? <laughs> We're a, we're a fun bunch. There was also some announcement. Now, this is not Star Wars news, but I'll, I'll explain why it is in a second. Uh, the actor that plays Poe Dameron, mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac, he is rumored to be playing Moon Knight in the MCU. Right. Now, that is not news for Star Wars, but here's why it was. And this is where my mind went to as soon as I saw that. Before The Rise of Skywalker came out, there was an interview with Oscar Isaac and Carrie Russell and a few one of others. America's great Floridians, by the way, who is Oscar? Uh huh. I didn't know. That. I know he was from. Wasn't he from? Um, he's from South America, 
originally uh, he was born there. I, th- I think he grew up in high school uh, or went to high school in uh, Miami. I think he partly grew up in Miami. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just knew the South America portion. Okay. Interesting. Sounds uh, like uh, I got to do a little bit more research. But okay. yeah, my, my understanding was that, well, two things, that he is one of America's great Floridians, um, <laughs> along with Randy Macho Man Savage and, and um, others, and that he was in a ska band in the 90s. Get out. And I keep meaning to look that up to see if there's any of their uh, material out on the interwebs because uh, I love me some ska. Well, uh, I think we're both partial. Well, actually, gosh, now I need a map. Guatemala. Yeah. That okay. was where he was born. Okay. And it says that he went to Miami Dade College. So I will assume that also means he went to high school there. I, I would assume so. So, yeah, you're right. But here's the reason why that, again, back to the interview. In the interview, he's he was asked, would you go to Disney Plus? And he gave an emphatic, no, you will not Disney Plus me, I think was what the quote actually Oscar was. Oscar Isaac said that? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. He didn't want to do that. And I think John Boyega was there and said something similar. So this is interesting because if he does Moon Knight, that's on Disney Plus. So is he now willing to reprise Poe Dameron if the right if the right thing was offered? I don't know. Hmm. But I do remember that that reaction. And so when I saw this news, I went, boop. He's going to Disney Plus then, <laughs> if I, this is true. I, I Yeah, I, I don't know um, the details, obviously, but I feel like sometimes Disney exerts force over its talent in the form of throwing a ton of money at them. Oh, yeah. And it makes them do things like, okay, I'll, I'll go to Galaxy's Edge and film a bunch of videos for the monitors that hang over where people stand in line for an hour and 45 minutes <laughs> and, and do stuff like that because I, th- I think they're probably not jumping out of bed to do that work. Um, but I feel like Disney makes it worth their while sometimes. It, it keeps the cash flow coming in. Yep. Right. Yep. And but at the same time, I think it also matters if the story is good. Like if, sure. If they've made their money and they're comfortable and they're willing to move on with life with what they have, then money won't do it anymore. Yeah. So you really gotta have a good reason for them. I mean, that was how the end of the MCU was going for Robert Downey Jr. and for Chris Evans. Like the money was great. Yes, and I'm sure that's keeping that that kept them coming back, but. It was the story that kept them coming, and they were excited to to tell the final stories that we eventually saw on screen for Iron Man and Captain America. So that's the other thing that gets them back. If you can convince them, yeah. this is a story worth telling. That's so. that's got to be a great combo as an actor to be like, look, I'm really pumped about the script. I think the story's cool. I think it you know resolves my character in a lot of ways and whatever. And I'm buying a yacht, <laughs> and I'm finally buying that penthouse that I always wanted, yeah. etc. Must be great, <laughs> etc. The key word there. There's a lot more than just that they're getting. I'm sure. One other piece of news which we'll cover, and that was John Boyega had an interview. Now, this John Boyega has been in the news a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, he's expressed his displeasure with how his uh, role ended up being treated, about how Kelly Marie Tran's role ended up being treated in Rise of Skywalker specifically, and I think he even calls out Episode uh, Eight to some extent as well. Uh, So he hasn't been secret about that. He mentioned that he got a lot of support from his cast members when he came out and voiced his displeasure, um, feeling like uh, his character was marginalized a little bit. I I mean, I look at that and I say, you know, we're not going to, we don't get political on the show like we've already said, but I respect John Boyega for coming out and sharing that. It's very, it's very big of him to do that. It's very difficult, I would imagine, to do that and to share his views. Yeah. Um, But the interesting part, I thought was when he started talking about the storyline that was on the table 
when it was Colin Trevorrow that was on board for episode nine. And he started going into what sounded like him leading a revolution of some of the stormtroopers. And Janna was going to be part of that as well, like meeting Janna and realizing there were some other defectors Mm -hmm. uh, that he could be part of this uprise against the Empire, or sorry, against the First Order. That would have been a really cool storyline, I think. And so it's... It's not something I look and say, "Oh, I wish I got that instead." I don't. I don't do that game. I don't do the, well, uh, why wasn't it this or why didn't they put that in there? Because you could go on forever and list a ton of things that they could have done. But it does sound like a really cool story, and it sounds it would be really interesting to hear if you know there is more conflict with the first order or something that Finn does end up leading these stormtroopers in an uprisal like that. That sounds really neat. I don't know. What are, What are your reactions? Yeah, I, I completely agree on pretty much every point that you made. So first, I, I trust and respect Boyega to be sharing an opinion that he was thoughtful about sharing and that he is really speaking from the head and the heart when he talks about his experiences uh, making these movies and where he thinks that maybe things fell a little bit flat for his character. I trust where he's coming from with all that stuff. I I, I am heartened to hear that he has an interest in potentially coming back and staying engaged with the the Star Wars universe. I think that that just the, the fact that that door is open is a good sign. Yep. Um, I, I'm, I'm working my way through it, but there's a, a podcast called Duel of the Fates where it is uh, a, a bunch of actors who are acting out um, the Trevorrow script. And huh. it's, it's over like eight or 10 parts. I'm, I'm probably two episodes into it, but it's really cool so far. Hmm. And, and it's just kind of neat to see what could have been. And I am I am curious to see where Finn's story goes in it because I, I I do think that the idea of a defector stormtrooper who is like a conscientious objector to wars and acts of violence that he's being thrown into, emerging as uh, a leader uh, for the good guys and being force sensitive and like all this other cool stuff that like they hint at, mm-hmm. um, like I think that would have been really cool. Now that said, like I get that there are practical limits to what you can put into three movies there. They can be longer movies, but you can't squeeze in a satisfying amount of story for everybody. And so you have to pick and choose. And yeah, maybe, maybe me, I don't know. I, I, I could have had more Finn and been really happy, but I, I get that you have to make tough calls as an editor, as a director, as um, a movie studio and so on. Uh, so that's, I, that's just why we don't judge. Right. Right. Because I wasn't there. I don't know. I can hear all the sides of it. And, maybe make a judgment and stuff. I completely understand though where John is coming from in this. Yeah. And it's, it's it would be wrong for me to even try to put myself into his shoes yeah. knowing what he's gone through in life and and everything too. But uh I think that at the end of the day it was just interesting from a story perspective like him sharing this and and, and yeah, like this could potentially get him to come back. I would love to see it. I I, I think it would be really cool. But it doesn't make me want to change necessarily what I saw. It just just makes me go, oh, man, that would be a really cool storyline. Right. right. Yeah. Same here. Same there here. could always be room for a storyline like that at some point. Yep. And, and when it comes like to a little bit of the finger pointing, like you said, we don't judge. And, and I always think back to uh, an interview that I heard with J.J. Abrams uh, right before The Force Awakens came out. And he was saying how they had a rough cut in the movie. It wasn't done yet. The editors were still working on certain things. There's still some uh, special effects that need to be cleaned up and stuff. But he said that the studio came to him 
Disney, essentially. The Disney execs came to him and said, uh, can we see the movie? And he said, of course you can. It's your movie. Like, <laughs> you, you, you funded this whole thing. You own this thing. Like, don't ask me. to. It's not my movie. Um, and so, like, that gets into the interesting question of, like, who's, whose piece of art is it? Like, you can make the case that, you know, the, the going back to The Force Awakens, like, that was JJ's piece of art, but... He's he admitted before it even came out that hey I don't I don't own this thing I don't call the shots like I I I have an idea I have he a vision some of the shots some of the shots but uh, ultimately uh, how much creative authority that you have is all there's always a tension there it is a huge group effort to pull these off yes right? and there's so many we'll actually do an episode on this one day there are so many other minds behind Star Wars. We talked about Pablo Hidalgo being one of them that yep. are a little bit more in the shadows. He's Which probably... I'm starting to think is not a real person. It's just a supercomputer that cranks out books. No. And I looked up his title. It's Creative Executive, I think, ah. is, is his actual title. But no, he's he's not an AI <laughs> yet. Maybe that's coming one day <laughs> where AI is just cranking out Star Wars movies. That sounds spoopy. That do- oh, gosh. Now <laughs> we're back to spoopy. <laughs> you worked it in. Oh, man. Um but anyway, yeah, let, let's close that one. It's such an interesting topic. It's so so interesting to, to, to talk about right now and yep. to think about. I mean, if it gets Finn back, all for it. Yep. I would like to see more John Boyega playing Finn. Me too. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. and, and Love him. Frankly, I'd like, I'd like to see what else he does. And I know he has started, I think, uh, directing and filming commercials and doing some like behind the camera work. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I, I think he could be, you know, sort of budding in his career in terms of um, creative stuff that he could be doing outside the Star Wars universe. And I, I welcome it. I, I, I think he's a talented guy. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Let's move on to segment number two, more to the story. Well, hang this... on. I, I have a transition. Oh, um, you do? I, I have a number of Halloween Star Wars jokes for you. Oh, man. You did not prepare me for this. <laughs> <laughs> On purpose. Are they spoopy? Um, I think the last one is like maybe too spoopy for me. Okay. I still don't know what it means and I could be saying something really wrong right now. But No, it's not like it's not like me and Winkies last time. <laughs> oh, you brought that up. Yay. That was funny. All right. Um, uh, did you hear about the Alderaan themed Halloween party? Did it blow up? I don't know. What's the... It was a real blast. Oh, I was close. <laughs> Great one. Here's one that's worse, I hey, think. If you heard that, that was Chewbucky sneezing yeah, at bless that you. one. Bless you, Chewbucky. It's, it's like, good to have I, you back on the like show. Um, what did Django eat before going trick-or-treating? Django eat, let's see, Camino, um, Bounty Hunter, I clone something. Pumpkin fettuccine. <laughs> that's wait, is pumpkin fettuccine? There you go. That's that's better than me. It it took him a second to get it. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. But wait, is pumpkin fettuccine real? Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I've never heard of that before. Keep going. It sounds good. I I don't know. I'd try it. Um, I would try it. Right. Um, all right, so this this one is definitely this one's like a little bit like ah, uh, it's a little dark. <laughs> okay. Um, how did Darth Vader pay for his costume? Oh man, by by choking everybody. Sorry. I. <laughs> how much did Darth Vader pay for his costume? How much? How much? 
I don't know. An arm and a couple of legs. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. There's some truth to that. (laughs) Spoopy. Very spoopy. All right, let's transition. Was that it? Okay. <laughs> that it. That's all I got. <laughs> Just those three. <laughs> I, I appreciate those. I, I'm a big fan of even corny jokes. The, there was, was good. I found a list, dude. It was like 50 of them, and those were the best ones. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> One of them, of I, I, can't, I can't remember what the setup was, but the punchline was, use the fork, Luke. that sounds like a good place for reference what the fork oh wow all right let's move on officially then to more to the story now what we are going to do first you're going to talk a little bit about halloween itself and then we each have our spookiest or spookiest place in star wars yes spookiest character right and spookiest moment that we've each prepared to share with each other and just kind of casually discuss about uh, what makes it so spooky and anything else that comes to mind. And then I have a bunch of honorable mentions because it's so hard to just pick one from all those lists, but I'm excited to hear yours and what you have to say about it. And then maybe we can just kind of chat about some of those other others that didn't make the list, but definitely deserve to be on that spooky list. Yeah. And, and, I don't know about you, but I didn't have exactly a scientific approach to picking these. These are the ones that just sort of jumped out to me this week. So, yeah, same. I mean, we could definitely debate over, you know, how like what's really the darkest moment in Star Wars or the creepiest or the spookiest and, and, and stuff like that. But these are just sort of our gut reactions uh, as we go into the Halloween season. And, and, you know, we hope that you guys have an opinion on these things and want to chat with us a little bit about them. And, and if you do, um, please do hit us up at Starburst Podcast on Twitter. Um, we also have a Facebook, uh, The Starburst Podcast, or send us an email, uh, thestarburstpodcast at gmail.com. Is that right? That is right. I didn't okay. have to do any of that this All time. Right. Good job. Cool. <laughs> so let's jump into it. Do it, man. The Halloween season is, for the most part, kind of festive, right? Like it's yeah. candy is a big driver for kids. Uh, it's it's sort of fun, but there is, even in that fun stuff, an underlying layer of creepiness. Oh yeah, of, of a little bit of darkness that 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 comes into our world this time of year. Um, we we live in the Philadelphia area where at this point, uh, you know, by five thirty or so, it's already getting dark out. Which I know that compared to a lot of places in the world, we're still getting a lot of sunlight, but we are feeling the change. That change comes with this time of year. And uh, with that darkness coming into our lives, I always thought it was well accentuated with the fake cobwebs that people put up and the tombstones in their front lawn mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. Like, if you stop and look at it, it's pretty creepy. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's mostly playful, but it's also got a real, I guess, undercurrent of like dark creepiness that all kind of points back to death, by the way. Yep. And... Uh, you don't really stop to question it at all when you're a kid. Uh, you're just kind of thinking like, ah, it, it's fun. There is sort of a, a a role reversal where kids sort of dictate the interaction. There's a knock at your door. It's not the grownups telling people what to do. It's the kids who show up at your front door and they tell you what to do. In fact, they give you a choice. They say trick or treat. And 
I, I don't know if you've ever played a trick on anybody in, in, in those moments, but I've heard that apparently that used to be a thing. And we, we, we still have a little bit of it now with, um, we have mischief night here in the Philadelphia area, which is the night before Halloween where there is a lot of trickery and most of it is not so good. It's, it's vandalism and, and that kind of thing. They call it devil's night in some other places. What do they call yep. it in, in Michigan? Devil's night. You devil's got night. it. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Okay. So, I, and I think it was one of the only places if I've, I took a survey once. It was like, what do you call the night before Halloween? And there are all these different examples. And I think Michigan is one of the only ones that does call it devil's night. Well, a, a friend of mine, Corey from Michigan, was telling me that they tried to change it to Angel's Night. I do remember that, yes. Do you remember that? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Crazy world. <laughs> As if that would stop people from burning down houses. They're like, you can't do that on Angel's Night. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't stop people. But then again, they could do it 364 days out of the year, too. But right, anyway. Right. But hey, going back to kind of like the myth and the lore of Halloween, I, I, I think that one of the cool things about Star Wars that makes it transferable across cultures is that it taps into the like the core of human storytelling. It's not American culture specific, although there are elements of that. It's really sort of the core central things to what make up a human being's identity. So family, it's a family drama. It's life and death. It's good versus evil. It's things that are largely transferable. And I feel like Halloween has some of those tensions too. A lot of Halloween or Halloween-like holidays, because there are Halloween-like holidays that happen around the same time, uh, all over Europe especially. So around October 30th, October 31st, where where I was born in Poland, for example, there's a holiday uh, right on Halloween called Jade, which means Grandfather's Eve. And basically, uh, what the story is, is that that's the one night a year that your ancestors come back from the dead. And you can interact with them. The spirits mm. come back and uh, people go to the cemetery and they pour libations. And so people I, people use the term libations in different ways. But historically, it's meant uh, it's part of a ritual where you honor the dead by pouring out some milk or some wine or something to feed them and to, um, you know, make that sacrifice personally and say, like, you know, this won't be on our table tonight because we're giving it to you. Huh. But still you take a step back from that and and you go oh uh the the dead come back to life like that's you know quite a concept and and in ancient roman culture uh in ancient uh celtic culture uh there was a belief that the dead come back and one of the ways that you can manage the dead walking amongst the living is to dress up as the dead and then they won't bother you because you'll blend in, which is a trope you see in a lot of zombie movies, by the way. Sometimes you know, <laughs> the people act like a zombie and the zombies don't notice them. Yeah. Um, apparently, that's a thousands of year old story where you know people would throw a festival uh, and dress up to sort of blend in because the dead were amongst us again. And that's sort of a, a driving thing be- behind this holiday, which... You know, a couple of days from now, will be reduced back to, you know, give me some candy, and uh, you know, go home and have a sugar rush, and then pass out. But <laughs> really, in the background, this whole time, there's some sort of dark, creepy stuff going on. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not that surprising. You also have, uh, I mean, remember Coco, the movie that came out not too long ago, and and was kind of putting out like um, Dias de los Muertos, right? Is Day of the Dead, right? 
in in Mexico and Spanish culture, if I'm not mistaken. And it's very similar. It's about celebrating ancestors and not as much about, you know, celebrating death itself, but remembering those that have passed on. Mm -hmm. And and one thing that I love about the movie was how it was the idea of how memories keep them alive, our memories of them, right? So it was more a way to make sure that we think about those of our family who have passed on and and the legacy that they've left behind and to pay respect to them. And then we threw in a lot of other fun activities along with it over the years, at least in American culture, when we created Halloween where, yeah, you go trick-or-treating and, and, and stuff like that. But at its root, it kind of makes sense that it's not supposed to be a day of celebrating evil mm-hmm. or bad the things in the world like that's that's not it's not supposed to be like a satan worship day or anything like i think it's kind of evolved into uh, a lot of different dimensions like that it's meant to be a day to remember those who passed on yeah right I, uh, I i was i was in mexico once for dia de muertos did i say it right or wrong uh there's no there's no los there's no los yeah okay dia de muertos Spanish. yeah um <laughs> i was i was in i was in mexico and I got to see sort of firsthand some of the rituals and, and a lot of the stuff is ritual based. There are things that you sort of, you just do on that day that you probably wouldn't do any other day. It's sort of special and reserved for that day. A couple things that I saw that I thought were really interesting. I was in a mall in Mexico and one of the shops that was vacant was set up as a shrine and you could go in and put up a, a photo of a family member who had passed on and people were putting flowers and people were, were leaving food and drink libations for the, the deceased. The other thing that I thought was, cause like you wonder like, you know, how much of, of that holiday is really pervasive, I guess, across Mexico. Like you wonder, is it like something that Americans picked up and like, just think is sort of interesting. And yeah, my, my impression was no, like that, that, that's a really big, important holiday. And one of the things that made me uh, like really struck me was here in the U.S. You have the Thanksgiving Day Parade on, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, in between the segments and the commercials, sometimes your your local network, whatever you're watching, like they'll say, Six ABC wishes you a happy Thanksgiving." Oh yeah, they do that with Dia de Muertos. Really? Yeah, the network you're watching will have what they call an interstitial, so in between the uh actual segments of the show they'll say uh felicidades and 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 wish you a happy day of the dead okay (laughs) i mean here this is gonna sound stupid uh i'm not surprised it's as big of a holiday as it is if disney's gonna make a movie about it yeah that's true that's a good point because after watching that it feels like it's a very big part of the culture yeah right whereas I don't think it's as big of a part of the culture as Thanksgiving is for America, right? I, I think Thanksgiving is probably the equivalent of that, if I'm not. It's probably on par. You're right. Yeah, that's um, my guess. But hey, I, I went looking for a uh, sociological definition of Halloween, because I think you know we've tapped into psychology, sociology. I think at some point we'll tap into economics a little bit. These are all lenses at which, uh, through which we can see Star Wars and see Star Wars-related content. And I, I didn't get the guy's name, so I apologize, but... Uh, he wrote that at its core, Halloween is a temporary liberation from all prevailing truths, and it's a suspension of hierarchies, ranks, privileges, and norms. So you can leave the house, you can dress up like whatever you want, you can douse yourself in fake blood if you want to, 
and I can go and walk up to your front door and ask for a piece of candy. When else can you do that and not get pepper sprayed? <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> uh, I hope nobody gets pepper sprayed this year. Um, but you're right. There's no better time to to do any of that than like that's all acceptable now right You're right and you can dress up as anything you can dress up as a, a, a ghost or, or something scary you can dress up as you know your favorite marvel or star wars character yep and we'll, we'll talk about that want. in a little bit exactly but you can be anybody and act pretty much any way a persona yep you can be chewbucky if you want <laughs> but the point is that we all sort of agree to it yes on october 31st dress up like whatever you want i'll give you candy you can act like a maniac you can throw toilet paper in my trees and to some extent <laughs> to some extent to to i think people are, are really patient with some of the nonsense that happens on october 30th october 31st but getting back to the the, the topic at hand here um a lot of it is spoopy there are <laughs> skeletons there are bats there are the cobwebs there's a tension with death where we we tend as a culture to put death out of our minds a little bit, yeah. Which uh, you know our our friends down in Mexico are are way better at it than than Americans are. Uh, we tend to put it out of our minds, but on this one night, it is at the forefront. It, that's part of the the liberation from the prevailing truth that the sociologists talked about, where you know everything is sort of life and work and and you're busy and and uh, all all the good things that go into your life, and then all of a sudden it's like, well. There might be supernatural things that are a threat to you, and remember that death is is coming for everyone, and et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, going back to Star Wars, there are moments in Star Wars that are dark, and suspenseful, and creepy, and we wanted to spend a little bit of time, kind of pulling those out and examining them and reacting a little bit, and some of them from my end were, you know, just sort of like quick moments that I thought, gosh, that sort of jumps out as being a bit creepy. But then some of them are like, you know, really sort of dark. So yeah. uh, let, let's start with you, dude. What do you, what do you want to start with? Let's start with, uh, I'm going to say the scar- scariest moment. I think there's a lot to choose from. I went a little bit off the board here and was thinking Clone Wars. Ooh. So there are two episodes in the Clone Wars where if you're looking for something in Star Wars that is scary, a little bit on the uh, the side of what Halloween typically is, Season 2, Legacy of Terror, and Brain Invaders. Oh, Brain Invaders, yeah. Those are the episodes. So what's really interesting about this ep- these two episodes is it takes Geonosians who you are introduced to in Attack of the Clones... And for those who may not remember what Geonosians are, they are insectoids, mm-hmm. right? They they fly around. They kind of they kind of look like pests a little bit, uh, bees like really big bees. And you learn in this episode a little bit more that they kind of act like them too. Mm-hmm. There is a queen, and Pogo the Lesser, who is one that you're introduced into in, in Attack of the Clones, just has a minor role. There was a battle on Geonosis that uh, commenced. They were destroyed or, or defeated. And Paul the Lesser, with some of his droids, is trying to go back to the queen, to the hive. And he he is uh, chased down by Master Luminara. And she's trying to to find him so that they can bring him to justice. And gets lost in this sandstorm. Eventually makes it to 
uh, the hive and is kidnapped. And then all of a sudden, Anakin and Obi-Wan feel like they need to spring into action, and they do. They go down into the hive. This is one thing I love about the episode is because it's really it shows uh, that relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan, how different they approach the Clone, the clone Wars and, and battle. They eventually go into the hive, and they run into some Geonosians. But there's something a little different about them. Their eyes are white. They look as if they're dead. And they're kind of you know, flopping around just like a zombie would. And you're looking at them going, what is wrong with them? And then Obi-Wan eventually explains that he knows and has heard about how or, or there's something with them that allows them to stay alive after they're dead. And you can't actually kill them. So, you know, once you actually don't you know, chop it, chop it up, another one will just come back to life somewhere. Mm. And you eventually see what it is. They have these little worms you know that are in their noses and or that kind of get into their brains invade them and then they become a zombie it is creepy it's it's so creepy i I remember watching it the first time it was late at night i'm just kind of watching casually i'm like what is this yeah (laughs) and again for someone who's not really into horror that much i'm I'm getting kind of spooked out by this yeah i i i thought it was going to be um like a like a fly in fly out horror moment where it was going to be yeah. like creepy for a second but it's sustained like it the whole episode is really sort of like dark and creepy and yep. i did the same thing where i watched it late at night and uh i kind of thought to myself like is this the the clone wars that i typically watch where it's just <laughs> like you know good guys villains going back and forth a little bit of politics and and the interesting part about it too is why i thought that is uh, season one of the Clone Wars, it took me a while to really get into. And I think it's because they were actually trying to cater that whole season to a younger audience. Right. And you could see that, you know, more of a Chewbacca's age. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, and then in season two, I think they started realizing that they were attracting more of a mature audience. And so they changed their content to be a little bit more mature. Like one of the first episodes of season two is Cad Bane stealing children. Right. Kidnapping force-sensitive children and bringing them to Mustafar. Yeah. Doesn't get any darker than that. Pretty dark. That's bad, right? Getting back to this episode, then you eventually meet the queen, and she's creepy. You realize Mm -hmm. that she's got a sinister plot where she's using these brain worms to infiltrate now Jedi, and that's one of the reasons she wanted Master Luminara, so that that she could implant the, the worm in her and now start to control the Jedi. And... And control the next one and control the next one. And it becomes this thing where she's now infiltrated any planet. You don't even know. So it's quite the sinister plot that she's got in her mind. They defeat her. They eventually escape. But the next episode, you get a glimpse of what she meant, what she's actually capable of. One of her brain invaders takes over a clone trooper. The clone trooper gets on the ship and has smuggled aboard a bunch of these eggs with these brain worms. And they start to take over the other clones. And that is probably one of the creepiest episodes because, and it's shot to be creepy. Yeah. Like at one point, um, Barris Ulfrey, who is the, uh, Padawan to, uh, Master Unduli, uh, she is taken over by one of these brain worms. And now Ahsoka is the only one on the ship who hasn't been taken over. And she's trying to fight them all off. And, there's moments where it's like cut to Ahsoka. It shows her doing something. And then she does that turnaround thing. And there's Barrison. She's mm-hmm. like hovering right over top of her and ready to, to kill her and things like that. 
man, it's spooky. <laughs> it's really spooky. And and the first one, I mean, the name even sounds like it. Brain Invaders. Like that sounds like a 1950s horror movie. Yeah. That sounds like a drive-in black and white movie, uh, kind of like The Blob or like one of those like cheesy, like Plan 9 from Outer Space or whatever type, yeah. type thing. So. You know, when I see that name, like my guard kind of goes down a little bit because I think it's going to be uh, maybe a little bit softer in terms of like the horror, or the suspense. But no, it's really, really creepy. And I, I think those episodes go from like 1950s drive in horror movie to when they're on, on the spaceship to maybe more of a modern sci fi horror, like almost like Alien, where yeah. the the main characters are crawling around in the air ducts trying to avoid the the whatever danger it is that's taken over the whole ship and then i think that's the episode that culminates in ahsoka freezing out the the the, it is what's that it is that one right okay so like that's kind of scary too because it's like all right well the only solution is to freeze ourselves and you know hopefully i survive that like that's pretty dark where you might have to to save the station that they're going to and to save the rest of the galaxy, I guess, from the spread of these brain worms or whatever they're called, you know, you might have to sacrifice yourself. Like, is that a kid's show? I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. Not anymore. Not, not, not when I hit that episode or those, that series of episodes. Like, I, yeah. I, I was just like, what, what am I watching? But it's really good. It's really well done. Oh, yeah. I really like it, actually. Uh, it's like the one time that I would be okay with something a little bit spooky because, yeah, it's not done in a grotesque way. Spooky. It's, it's just, spoopy yeah you know it's tastefully done right but it's got some scary moments like there's one part where the the worm is like coming out of the yes clone, uh, the clone's mouth yeah and it's it looks like a scene from the poltergeist or something i just yeah anyway yeah and, and one of the things that got me about that episode was the like i always think back to there is one type of villain that like a relentless villain, which zombies to me in my mind are sort of relentless villains. Like you, yeah, you, you have to disintegrate them to stop them sometimes. Uh, and, and I, I, the counterpoint to that for me is in Terminator. I, I always heard that James Cameron would give this direction to Arnold Schwarzenegger and Robert Patrick, who played the the Terminators, to not be angry when you're fighting to not be like not look sinister or mean or like you have an agenda because it was like you guys are machines Mm -hmm. like you should you should be stone-faced as you're fighting and attacking whatever and you know that's one way to do it and that's pretty creepy but if i remember correctly like when the clone troopers were taken over by the brain worms they they seemed like angry and 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 like like they were, they had emotion, they had negative emotion that they were carrying around with them as a result of the brain worms. And yeah. that's scary too. Not only are they attacking you, but they seem like they've got an agenda and they really want to get you. So, yeah. um, there's something about that, that, that just kind of, kind of got me. Oh yeah, totally. And the fact that they're being controlled by the queen all the way back on Genesis, right. basically. Like right. All, all goes back to this one person who could infiltrate the entire galaxy with these things. Yeah. So pretty sinister, pretty scary. Whew. Uh, what is your moment? All right. My, my creepy moment is uh, from our last movie, actually. It's from episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. And you guys will remember that there is a scene where they have found Ochi's dagger. And Ochi's dagger has a sort of slot in the handle that uh, extends or telescopes or whatever and shows any user where 
a Sith Wayfinder is hidden on the Death Star. And so they have to cross this rough sea and find their way over there. And, you know, there's there's a lot of plot that happens along the way, but I'm going to jump right to Ray finds herself on the deck of the Death Star in the spot where the Wayfinder is left. But she runs into somebody and that somebody is what people refer to as Sith Ray. It's the dark version of her. And Sith Ray is like our hero, except for or our heroine, I should say, except for she's got super cool Sith robe, the switchblade red lightsaber that sort of unfolds or butterflies out, and she's got like jagged, sharp fangs, a mouth full of fangs. But it, it's it, it happens like lightning quick in the movie. Like there's not a whole lot of exposition. No, um, there's like a quick exchange between the two of them. And uh, it, it, it almost like really quickly just turns back into an action movie. And because right, she leaves there and there's Kylo Ren. There's Kylo Ren waiting for her. To me, I, I, I think that that's a really interesting moment because uh, there is a another moment that I'll talk about a little bit later where uh, Ray kind of comes in touch with her dark side or has to confront her dark side uh, or at least be tempted by her dark side. And in this case she sees her potential to become truly evil yeah. in that moment. We don't, we don't really know where that's coming from. Uh, we can speculate, but there's no exposition in the movie where they tell you, Ray, uh, this is a projection uh, from Palpatine. Do, do you know? Do, is... Well, I think what the whole point of it was, and you might do this in a second and juxtapose it to uh, the cave scene. Yes. Luke and Vader, right? That is her version of that. Right. She is seeing what she could potentially become and the other side if she were to follow her destiny. Yeah. And the whole point of it, I think, is because there's some other scenes, which I don't think they eventually show in the movie where she actually sees herself on the throne Ah. and sees her there ruling as a Sith Lord, Mm -hmm. not as Rey the Jedi. Mm -hmm. You know, she's, uh, she's kind of getting this, this temptation really. And I I always thought of it in that light and, and she's just found out she's a Palpatine. Yep. She's got a lot to process right now. And this is her temptation yeah. to follow the destiny that she thinks might actually be laid out for her. Yeah. She's a Palpatine. There's nothing she can do to control it. She might as well just succumb to it. Yeah. Right. And that's, I think, what I think the temptation for her. But but it's spooky, man. <laughs> like, it's, just to see. I did not expect the teeth Yeah. when I saw that scene. Like, when they're fighting and everything, it's it's crazy, but... I didn't expect to see. She her sort of hiss. growls, and and it's a mouthful of fangs. It's really creepy. Yeah, and she just gets thrown out and stuff. So it's it's um, it's a spooky scene. It's a really spooky scene, and you know, a couple more things about it. I, I think that it is uh, a nice way to show kind of the fact that everybody has what Carl Jung, who we've mentioned here before, has some shadow self. So something inside of themselves that, uh, if they were to give in to the temptation, could could be a really bad and dark thing. Uh, and some people say that's like an iceberg where it's actually that there's more of you there than there is on the surface and that we have to accept that and, and find a healthy tension with it. Yeah. Um, and like Ray did fight it directly, like literally battle with it to uh, help keep it in check. Well, 
And I think it fuels the fight that eventually happens right after that scene with Kylo Ren. She's angry in it. She has let her anger go. I mean, I don't think in her right mind she would have actually stabbed Kylo Ren with the Mm -hmm. lightsaber. She was just overtaken by that. So, I don't know. I think she kind of let that get the best of her in that moment. She eventually realized it and corrected, you know, made amends for it immediately. So it's kind of like a, a mini redemptive arc for her. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, and then she exiles herself because she's so mad about it. Right. <laughs> um, Momentarily. So one other tie-in to kind of Halloween about this particular scene, or, or this group of scenes as they're kind of leading up to the Death Star wreckage, and then when she finds the Wayfinder and so on, there, there's this trope in Halloween, especially American Halloween, of the haunted house. Mm-hmm. And as I was thinking about this episode again, or this scene, I kept thinking about the, the Death Star is kind of this haunted house where it has some dark negative energy because of the things that have happened there before. And to me, you go in the haunted house, you may run into a ghost or some other kind of like supernatural threat. And I feel like that's exactly what Ray ran into was... Yeah. The, the dark side of the force lives in this place. There's a dark energy attached to the Wayfinder, attached to the original purpose of the Death Star. So to me, this was like the haunted house out in an island in the ocean that is just packed with negative vibes that kind of rubbed off on her, unfortunately, and she had to overcome on the way out the door. I mean, that was also the throne room itself of the Death Star where... The last person sitting in there was Palpatine. <laughs> it was the most haunted place in the haunted house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Uh, well, speaking of haunted house, unless you got other things, let's let's uh, go on to maybe our spookiest place. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I thought about that in terms of the spookiest place I chose. And we're staying with the same movie, actually. The place I chose was Exegol. Good one. Now, I think Exegol... It's it's hard to choose, actually, because there are so many really spooky places in Star Wars. Moraban, could have chose that. Uh, Dathomir, Mustafar, mm-hmm. right? Exegol, to me, takes the cake, though. Like, all those places are spooky, but it doesn't even compare to Exegol. The first scene that you see of it, when Kylo Ren flies his ship into Exegol, he lands there. It's dark. doesn't even look like it sees light. It eventually does. But... It doesn't look like anybody lives there. In fact, in their, the dictionary, I took a look at it beforehand, and apparently there's no known species mm. on the planet. Like, there's no population. The only population there is the Sith Eternal, which is the cult that's following the Sith there and trying to keep it alive. Before the First Order was getting established, they decided they needed to find a stronghold where they could rebuild the Sith. And they could have gone to Moraban, but they felt that was too obvious and that was too... Uh, you know, they would have been caught there trying to rebuild. So they went to Exegol where they're, they were more protected. It wasn't a, it wasn't a known planet, right? Because it's in the outer rims. So it was a perfect place for rebuilding the Sith in this citadel that is over a thousand years old with these big statues to the Sith Lords of thousands of years ago. And you see Kylo Ren walking up to the citadel. It's creepy. You've got the lightning striking and that's doesn't seem to ever want to stop in the air. It's just creepy. And then he goes into the Citadel itself. And as he's going down, he hears the voices of Palpatine and then Snoke and then Vader. Like, what 
what could be a better haunted house than that, right? To just start hearing these voices out of nowhere. And he's speaking back to it. Like, he hears it, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. And then he starts walking around. And he sees Snoke in these big vats, these big containers floating around. And you realize, so Snoke was just made. And I'm just thinking, Silence of the Lambs. Like, this is freaky. Get Mm -hmm. the heck out of there. And to top it all off, you see Palpatine, obviously dead, and hanging on for dear life. He's a zombie. He's got white eyes. He doesn't even have eyes. He's freaky. So, again, I don't know a better haunted house that you would want to go tour in Star Wars if you were you know, celebrating Halloween in that galaxy. <laughs> so, personally, I think Exegol takes the cake into, in terms of one of the scariest places. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's super dark and creepy, and just everything about it is, like you said, there's really... There's no uh, light side redeeming quality at all to the planet. Um, I think it's an interesting point that it's like totally devoid of natural life. If, if it wasn't for the Sith folks who kind of sought it out. And by the way, I wonder what that process is like. Like, do they go to the realtor and look <laughs> at a few places and kind of go, I like this, but I, I feel like it could use more lightning. Like, what what is their overall process there like? It's not spooky enough. <laughs> I've said that word way too many times in this episode, but that is the criteria that they use. Yeah. But, like, even, like, descending down into, like, the depths of the Citadel with, like, the giant chains and, like, the, the platform and all that stuff, like, everything about it to me just sort of screams, like, dark, evil, bad vibes. Yep. And um, the the big arena that they have full of the the Sith lords oh, and gosh. um uh, and and just kind of the the fact like you said that the light just doesn't seem to want to break through anywhere there and no. and the the in- reintroduction of Palpatine is just so creepy in the sense that like I've thought about this a bit the kind of the machinery that's plugged into him that's moving him around yeah it's almost like he he is dead and this machine is. Uh, sort of a- reanimating his body and at the same time his his evil spirit is occupying it yeah. it's almost like he's a living dead person in some yeah. way the and, living dead yeah the living dead and it's a perfect setting for him and for you know if if the the sith were to try to rebuild their their stronghold on the universe that would be a great place to put the throne room yeah it totally was and that throne is creepy like there's nothing about it's all dark it's it's either black or dark blue. Like that's mm-hmm. the only color tones that you see in any shot of Exegol. But but then but then our our boy Sheev, his robes turn red. Me Joe, Joey Palps, <laughs> Joey Palpatine. <laughs> um, his robes turn red. So, yeah, you notice that? Yeah, he gets a little bit of a makeover all of a sudden. He was like, "This is too matchy matchy with the black and the blue. Let's mix it up. Let's let's put some a, a color that denotes." Power. Just a splash. A little splash of color. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great. Uh, yeah, there's there's a, a lot of creepy things that go on. And there's I think you posted this as a gif. Like the, there's one part later on in the movie where once he's come back to life, he's got this little sinister smile on his mm-hmm. face. And then he turns and looks over probably to Ray or Kylo Ren at the moment. I can't remember who. And it just turns into this evil grin. Yeah. And he's just like. I am now out to kill. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looks like, like I went from like this evil laughter to this evil, I'm going to kill you face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he pulls off the, the spoopy really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if we'll, um, I still don't know what that word means. <laughs> 
This would be a good question for our, our bros at Braxian, but I wonder if we'll get more Exegol, maybe in some comic books or something like. Oh, we have. If, to. if that if that's if that place has been there for a thousand years, the lore of just Exegol alone is probably pretty interesting. Maybe we'll get it in the High Republic stuff. I don't know. Ah, yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, we could still get some of it. It's there are a lot of Sith planets, just as much as there are some Jedi temples scattered around right. the universe, right? Uh, so. Yeah, some very scary places. In fact, I think you're about to go to a place in another uh, in another area of the Outer Rim. Yeah. For um, yours, right? Yeah, so my scary place that I chose was the, the cave on Octo, um, also known as the Mirror Cave to, to some people. And you'll remember this. I think it was first introduced in The Last Jedi. Yep. And when Rey is visiting Octo, which is the planet where Luke Skywalker was sort of self-exiled, um, with his friends, uh, who, who my friend called the space nuns and she spots this and she's sort of drawn to, but she spots this hole in the ground lower down on the Island, almost like by the water. And I, I saw today actually on starwars.com, they refer to it as a blowhole where <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes sense. Yeah. Okay, it kind of makes sense. Right. So the tide comes kind of in and out and water splashes in and out, but she hears like sort of like this whispering, murmuring sound coming from this hole. And it's, I think, her temptation again. And her temptation might come in the form of just curiosity. Um, well, it's offer as I think Luke said, it's offering something that she wants. Yes. Right. And answers. Yes. And so she goes in. And this is sort of like a hotly contested scene across the Star Wars fandom because there, again, there's no exposition that tells you this is what this means. Uh, but we can all sort of read into it and, and take our own meaning from it. But ultimately, Ray goes into this cave, uh, which is, again, sort of a haunted place where there's bad vibes coming from it. It's strong in the dark side. And she finds a mirror and she sees multiple variants of herself. And the mirror starts to kind of give her what it is that she wants. And she wants to see um, her parents. She wants to know where she's from and who she is and those things. And the mirror kind of starts to offer it up to her, but it doesn't fully give it to her. No. And the the debate is the dark side sinister and kind of villainous enough and cruel enough that it will tempt you with a glimpse of what it is that you want, but not fully give it to you. And some people say, well, no, that's not it. It's that Luke reached out and pulled her back from that. And she almost leaned into it and was willing to hand over her light side to be able to get to that answer. But Luke sort of uh, using the force somehow blocked that off to prevent her from fully diving into the deep end of the dark side. So I'm not sure what you think, but to me, that was another moment where it's like the creepiness is the fact that you are tempted to uh give into your own darkness and yeah around halloween there there is kind of a, a a vibe of the people who like to dress up as a scary character or maybe a character that's more powerful than themselves or some of those other dark side traits it's it's an opportunity to act something out just for that one night and then you take right. the mask off and you go back to reality but this is a scene where you know maybe luke saw like gosh, if she leans into this thing, it might not just be a moment of interacting with the dark side. She could really get pulled into it. She could get lost. She could get lost in it and then really never kind of come back from it. So to me, that that is um, my, my especially spoopy place for <laughs> for uh, this episode. Uh, I, I would agree. I think it's uh, 
it, it definitely kind of comes across as a place that I wouldn't necessarily want to visit. But this interesting about it is that it's it, it kind of tempts you and pulls you in, right? And and maybe this is the tie to kind of horror, right? There's always that part in horror movies. Have you seen the Geico commercial that does it perfectly, where uh, it's a few years old, but there's like four four people running around this really um, spooky area and. At one point, they go, let's run into the corn, like the corn. Uh, oh, yeah. Stocks. Let's hide behind all the chainsaws or yeah. whatever. <laughs> like, no, what are you crazy? Let's let's. Oh, no. And then the one girl goes, why don't we just jump into the running car? Like, that's the logical thing to do. And they're like, are you crazy? <laughs> and then he says, let's go behind behind all those chainsaws or something. And like, no, let's go into the graveyard. Like, that's what spooky movies do, though. I, I think I. <laughs> By the way, I think that's a knockoff of a Simpsons episode. I think it was a Treehouse of Horror episode where um, I think Homer was running from some zombies and his <laughs> options were either uh, run and hide in the spooky roller disco or run and hide in the lake where all the sexy teens were killed the year before. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> that just sounds like... Uh, it sounds like Homer, Simpsons right? Episode. Yep. <laughs> I remember the one that says... Uh, uh, it's a billboard that says die and he goes, ah, and he screams in his, his Homer voice. And then the tree moves and it actually says diet and he screams louder. <laughs> that's, one of, that's one of my wife's favorites. Wait, wait one more. Uh, sorry, get <laughs> okay. off topic. Um, there's an episode, uh, a Treehouse of Horror episode where Flanders becomes a zombie. Do you remember mm, this? I think so. And Homer kills him. Uh-huh. And I think Lisa says to him, you killed zombie Flanders. And he goes, he was a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm watching some Simpsons when I get home. Oh man! Um, so I don't even remember the point I was trying to make. Uh, uh, well, you were talking about the Geico epi- uh, commercial. Where... Yes, 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 yes. Okay, I remember the the <laughs> fact that with a lot of these scary movies, and Geico is making fun of it in this this episode, they always make these decisions that just seem horrible. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there is a curiosity there mm-hmm. that all these characters demonstrate where. They want to know. There's just something that's pulling them in, and they have to just know what it is that's behind that door. It doesn't matter how scary it is. And that's, I guess, my tie back to Octu, where you're talking about with with the the bullhole, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's offering something that Ray wants, and it's this this undying curiosity that's pulling her into it. Yeah, right. That is very similar to a horror movie. And and. To me, there's something really creepy about going into the ground. So it's it's almost like the like a like a manhole with the manhole cover taken off. Like it's this round, just sort of drop into the earth. And there is, I think, always been something creepy about the underworld, what's beneath the surface of the earth. Like Stephen King's It. A lot of the imagery is the killer clown looking up from the sewer, stuff like that. So the idea of crawling into a dark space like that that is calling out to you in some way. Just super creepy. Just gives me the goosebumps and, yeah. and and freaks me out a bit. Yep, totally agree. All right, let's move on to characters. Yeah. And I'm going to admit, mine, I could have chosen so many better ones. But I went to what is probably the scariest character for my childhood version of me. When I was a kid, I was really afraid of the Rancor. In really? Return of okay. The Jedi. Yep. It was the scariest looking thing to me. And I know it moved slowly. It was kind of lumbering along, you know, but its face, watching it eat the Gamorrean guard and, and mm-hmm. 
as a kid, that just freaks you out. Like I had nightmares for a while of, of aliens eating me, you know? Wow. Um, just because I don't know if it was because of that, but the, I, that was like my biggest fear is like being eaten by an alien or something. Really? I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Now we're, we're going to uh, do some psychoanalysis of Ben here. So you, you were having the grief cargo reaction. Yeah. He's going to eat me. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I, I, I look at this, this, uh, this rancor as a kid and I'm like, I'm terrified by it. And now as an adult, I'm like, that was so irrational. Like he's not that scary, but I read, you know, again, trying to do some research. I read a few things about rancors that have made me never look at it. Make it so that I never look at it the same again. You're kidding. Yeah. Lay it on me. All right. So first of all, its name is Patisa, which I actually remembered, but I'm like, Patisa, that's an interesting name. Like that's not intimidating at all. (laughs) Why am I afraid of this thing that's called Patisa? Um, the Rancor's name? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the Rancor's name. Um, I didn't know this, but they're actually from Dathomir. So I th- that I think I did know. That's really cool. Yeah, I think that's a cool thing. Which, And the interesting part is that they've been domesticated. So think of it. This is like a cat. Patisa? Yeah. This is my Rancor, Jerome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Jerome, kill I- them. We should come up with our own Rancor pet names. So, but but then I thought of it now in terms of this one in the movie, and this is Jabba's pet. Mm-hmm. It's not just his, you know, his way of trying to kill anybody that he doesn't like, and you know, making sure that they step on that platform. And but it's know. it's good for that too. It is good for that. I mean, it's Jabba we're talking about. Of course, mm-hmm. he's going to use it for that reason. He has to feed his pets every once in a while, right? <laughs> so. The the other thing that made me laugh about it too was uh, I always think of that caretaker that comes in crying at the yes. end. Like I'm like, why is as a kid I'm like, why is he crying? I get that maybe he was taking care of this thing, but is he really that attached to this thing? Yes. It's not like he can go over there and cuddle with it and pet it, right? But now that I think of it as a pet, okay, I can get why he's upset about it. Yeah, he's like it's it's um you know one of my fandoms uh from you know when I was much younger is the Harry Potter universe, and he's kind of like the Hagrid character where Hagrid sees the good in uh, his relationships with all different kinds of, frankly, really dangerous and scary animals, yeah. giant spiders, whatever. So I I. I saw that parallel when I when I first read through the Harry Potter books. And I get it if it's a domesticated pet that you've raised, like who knows, maybe maybe that the the ranker keeper hatched the the ranker and and you know bottle fed it and whatever. Yeah. I don't know what it would have been bottle fed. I don't want to know. It's a it's carnivorous, <laughs> right? But yeah. And here's the last thing that that will make it so I never look at it again and again. I was looking at you know, our trusty Wikipedia source just as like for that extra little information that I may not know. Mm-hmm. And there is a, in describing the behind the scenes and how they described the Rancor uh, when they were putting this together. They said a cross between a bear and a potato. <laughs> <laughs> what? So now every time I look at it, I'm going to see a bear and a potato. Wait, when that was when 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 did they use that? In, in the behind the scenes when they were describing what the rancor was <laughs> a cross between a bear and a potato yeah uh, sure why yeah, i not? guess i see it yeah i guess I, I didn't see the potato at first but i guess now i see it <laughs> anyway that was the character that i chose not because i actually think it's the scariest in, in star wars but because as a kid it was the scariest to me <laughs> freaked me out watching him eat the gamorian slowly and 
mm-hmm. you know anyway so I'm, just I'm, just crunching down in the saliva and stuff it is creepy uh, um, now i'm gonna have nightmares thanks bring me my killer potato bear patisa <laughs> <laughs> please go to your character before uh, i lose it <laughs> uh so i you you pointed out to me when we were sort of prepping for things that i i stayed on the sequel trilogy the whole time yeah you did so i'm, I'm finishing with uh ochi of bastoon who we don't get a whole lot of, but in uh, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, we get a couple of glimpses of him. One of them is through a flashback, and one of them is through the things that he's left behind. So Ochi of Bastoon is a, I guess, sort of a Sith disciple. So he himself is not a Sith. He's not Force-sensitive, as far as I know, but he is a disciple of, and I guess an employee of the Sith, and and more broadly, uh, I guess, a disciple of the dark side. Yep. Ochi is uh, known for for two things. And I think we're starting to expand on Ochi's story a little bit. If I'm not mistaken, he does pop up in, I guess, the Vader comic series very recently. Mm-hmm. But uh, up until the point when The Rise of Skywalker came out, we didn't have anything else to go on. So what we know about Ochi is that uh, he is a Sith disciple, like I said, but he's also a Jedi hunter, a Jedi assassin. And he is a collector of Sith Arcana. So a good example of that is Ochi's Dagger. Right. Ochi's Dagger, we discussed a little bit earlier as being uh, a tool to be able to find a Sith Wayfinder. But uh, he also used that for you know killing his targets. So a lot of bad vibes, dark energy attached to that, that particular thing. And to me, I, I think the Wayfinder... And, you know, I use the haunted house analogy of the Death Star wreckage. There, There is a thing of, like, people believe that objects can be haunted, that negative energy can somehow, like, stick to an object and follow that thing around. And if you bring that thing into your home, then uh, you're inviting in all those bad vibes. And I, I kind of thought of Ochi's dagger as kind of being, like, that haunted object. And the way that they sort of, like, hold it up and the way that the camera sort of frames around it and things like that sort of scream out like bad vibes coming off of this thing. Ochi meets his end uh, kind of being stranded out in the desert. And we we find Ochi's uh, spacecraft and we find his trusty droid Dio. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I think is really kind of like sad about Ochi's legacy is how Dio is scared of everybody, probably because of the way that Ochi treated him, right? Like Ochi probably... Uh, kicked him around and was cruel because that seems to be one of the core things about Ochi. Uh, and, and it kind of stuck on Dio and it takes Dio a little while to unlearn that, uh, I guess, mindset. That abuse. That abuse. Yeah. yeah. And just sort of shed that that self-image of being like the the you know, the punching bag of, of Ochi's life. Yeah. But I think we'll get a little bit more Ochi in the comic books and maybe learn a little bit more about his path to supporting the Sith and working for the Sith and becoming an assassin for them. But for now, to me, it was just, you know, really creepy. Ochi is uh, only seen in that, you know, split second through that that flashback, but he's killing somebody. And who's he killing? He's killing Palpatine's son. Yes. It's not really his, it's his clone. Yep. Yeah. With that with that dagger. So um, very, very and creepy. Wife, right. What's that? And wife. And wife. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very creepy character who plays uh, an important role in the story, even if it was setting up the story years before Ray and Finn and Poe and all those characters got together. But just the idea of, of 
a, a collector of Sith artifacts who's also a Jedi hunter. Very, very dark and creepy to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... I think that's a great choice for a creepy character. And there's so many more. I mean, come on. Darth Vader, Palpatine. Like, of course, they're very creepy. We're trying to go into a direction that may be a little bit different. But I think Ochi takes the cake. Like, if I saw Ochi walking up to me in public, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm doing? I'm running. Yeah. He's probably out to get me or somebody else, and I don't want to be mixed up in it. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) He walks into that cantina, I'm finding the back door. Yep. So, yeah, I totally agree. And I think... I think the dagger is, is an interesting artifact. We, we'll talk about this at some point. I know there's some people that don't really like how it was used, but but the fact that it's got don't like all how those, the dagger was used. Well, yeah, you mentioned it being like a uh, a way to find the wayfinder, and I think a lot of them point out like if it's this ancient dagger, but the wayfinder was just put on on uh, the Death Star. You know, when Palpatine was alive, how ancient is it? Like, how can it really be something that points to the wreckage? Like the they poke a lot of holes in it. People need to chill. <laughs> I mean, it, it does make you pause and go, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, good point. But all right, I'm not going to think about it too much. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got to, you got to just kind of hand Suspend yourself over to reality. the movie. Suspend disbelief. Enjoy yeah, the ride. Exactly. But, uh-huh. uh, but I, I like the dagger itself point I was getting at for like all of those inscriptions on it and the ancient runes and, and the language that's in there and just kind of how it, tells this story it looks super cool it's cool yeah exactly i would love it as a prop you and, know? and i love that one of the kind of like the supporting stories of that whole thing is the fact that the sith language and the sith text yeah is considered just so dark and evil that c-3po it's it's against his base programming to even translate it right um i love that i love that it's just like it's so forbidden I bet Triple Zero would translate it, though. Oh, my gosh. He would love it. He'd read it out loud. <laughs> he, he sings it to himself when he goes to sleep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's put it in song form and everything. Triple so, tri- Zero, for anybody who is listening who maybe doesn't know, is a droid that belongs to Dr. Afra, which is a comic book character who's super cool. I recommend you check out. And he is one of two sort of deranged homicidal torture machine droids that works for dr afra and he looks like c-3po he's a he's a typical protocol droid but gosh he loves murder and torture yes he does <laughs> he, he celebrates much. it of uh, specifically of humans not yes. of droids yeah he, do, he doesn't the the idea of droids being harmed is horrifying to him but yeah. uh, people he loves it go back to our ai episode he's the type of ai that would love to overthrow all the humans in the yes. galaxy oh my gosh yeah see an ai uprising he, he basically would weep at terminator and call it a masterpiece yes <laughs> right right oh uh, anyway that was more to the story let's move on to our final segment the fandom segment yes uh so again we talk about halloween and all the fans that come out in hordes mm-hmm. with their love of star wars dressing up as their favorite star wars characters i have told you many times because i have twins and their their names are Jack and Jane, right? They got Luke and Leia a little bit, the whole four letter thing. Like I I love to say I did that on purpose, but <laughs> I now look back and said, yeah, I, I did it on purpose. They're, they're my Star Wars kids. I would love to one day dress them up as Luke and Leia, and myself as Darth Vader, and my wife as Padme, and just be the the family all together again. You know, who, who uh, am I going to be I in that? that? What's that? Who am I going to be? Um, Who's a good third wheel character in Star Wars? Uh, well, I'm thinking if I'm Vader and you're kind of like my, uh, you can be Palps. Yes, you're Palpatine, man. Wow, 
There we go. What an honor. I thought you were going to say Jar Jar or something and just kind of like... <laughs> you're Jar Jar. I would, I'd love to see that, actually. So now I'm going to say you're going to be Jar Jar. Oh, my um, gosh. And then I'll have my, my youngest one, uh, the baby, be uh, maybe Ben Solo mm-hmm. or uh, who else could he be? I don't know. We'll figure he it out. He could be a Jawa. Jawa. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, or or just make him Han Solo for that matter, <laughs> dude. I I love by the way. Um, so I follow the Five Hundred First Garrison, or our local one, I should say, on, on Facebook. And the Five Hundred First, as a reminder to our listeners, is a cosplay organization. I don't even know if cosplay is the right word. That's probably not the right word. It's for probably it, not yeah. the right word. Um, but they are a. I, I think the term I used before is they're a cinematically accurate costuming organization. They do really cool work. They go out, they do charitable work. They go to kids' hospitals, things like that, dressed as stormtroopers, dressed as all different Star Wars characters. But some of them decide to be a Jawa. And whenever a a new, I guess, member of the 501st Garrison meets the requirements to become uh, an official full member, they post a picture of them in their full regalia, their full costume. And... 99% 99% of the time, dude, it is a stormtrooper and they look great. Like they all, yeah. we, we've talked about this before, like Lucasfilm can call them up and they'll show up and they will be cinematically accurate. Yeah. But some small percentage of the time, somebody decides I'm going to be a Jawa. And I love seeing those costumes with like the little light bulb eyes and things like that. I just think it's so cool that people want to uh, dress up as those guys. I totally agree. They're, they're, uh, I don't know. They're so unique and cool. And, and now that we know how they actually speak a little bit more yep. and stuff too, like I, I love them even more and how eccentric that they are. Um, but yeah, so but, but costumes, I think it's going to be really exciting. One day that's what I want to do. Again, I'm not big into costumes, but I, I do want to do that like as a family picture of us all wearing Star Wars outfits. So that is in our future at one point. Uh, but the one that I, I thought we would talk about was one, one of my other favorite things, and that's pumpkin carvings. Mm. Now, honestly, I encourage anyone listening to just go out Google Star Wars pumpkin carvings and see the images that pop up because there are some amazing ones. And I, I was looking at some today. Just I, I'm going to show you, Jan. Look at this. Like, how do people do this? What? This is a scene with an X-wing uh, fighting a star destroyer. It's just so elaborate. It's like an art piece of art. I, I'm that like that is really really detailed. It is um like a realistic like sometimes uh pumpkin carvings are a little bit cartoonish like low resolution versions of an image but like yep like like that that darth vader is really cool and 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 it's pumpkin carving lends itself really well to minimalist uh type renditions of whatever the scene is but that's like a super detailed star destroyer uh, or chasing an x-wing really well done wow yeah and i would love to get to that point but i am more the minimalist I just like the the outline. So I've done a few. I'll post them on, on Twitter here in a little bit uh, so I can give you a glimpse of uh, what I've done in the past. Yeah. They're nothing special. It's uh, Darth Maul. Yeah. I did Dude, about your Darth Maul is really good. They're I thought great. it looked good, right? I mean, it's just a stencil that I, it's not that big of a deal, right? I'm not that artistic. I just take the stencil. But but you did a good job with it. I did a good job cutting it and doing all that, right? <laughs> uh, and then a few years ago when Last Jedi was coming out, I did BB-8. So mm-hmm. I haven't done one in a little bit, uh, you know, had a baby last year around this time, wasn't able to do it and all this, all these other excuses that come, come up, but I'm doing one again this year. Awesome. And so I would like your help choosing yeah, the one I'd be that happy I do to. and I will happily post it for everyone to see once I'm done. So I don't think it's, uh, we can go non-Mandalorian if we want, but come on, the Mandalorian is coming out in a few days and I feel like I have to do something from the Mandalorian. Yeah, so, so most of the ones I'll show you are from the Mandalorian, but if you think I should go out. Some, do something else, I will. 
but and by the way, somebody pointed out to me that um, so when we were sent home from work, it was Friday the thirteenth on a full moon weekend with the time change. Yeah, and uh, I think this Friday is a full moon on Halloween weekend with the time change on Devil's Night. Right. <laughs> so uh, somebody said to me that maybe this is the weekend where the portal closes. Whatever portal opened to let in all of 2020, maybe that'll finally close off. So more spoopiness, but but go on. Sorry. It'll go out with the Mandalorian. No, please don't do that. Um, so you you get to choose what I get to do. So the first one that I thought ah, was the Mudhorn was the Mudhorn. And it's it's the Mudhorn signet that signet. Um, that we see that gets, uh, I guess, welded to the, the best car armor on Mando's shoulder. Very cool. Yep. So that's one option. Uh, this one's just... The Mandalorian helmet with "This is the way" under yep, the Star Wars very lettering. Cool. Thought this could be interesting. Yep, the symbol of the wills. Yeah, and, and you know that that that's a that's a good point. So I always I always thought of it as wings and a lightsaber, mm-hmm. but it, it, is that what it is? I think I I don't know. It's it seems. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Maybe that's something we cover at another point. Yeah, I, it does eventually inspire what the you know what we what eventually becomes the symbol of the rebellion so yeah that would be a good conversation for us to have some time to talk about the symbology of of star wars yeah so that's a a good point yeah let's come back to that let's put Uh, that in the parking lot (laughs) let yeah let's do that oh the mythosaur yeah so then there's the the mythosaur the the one that you see over the armorer dude i've seen i've seen the mythosaur tattooed a lot on people really on on like uh there's a couple of facebook groups that i'm a part of the non-toxic Star Wars fan base is one of my yeah. favorite ones because that that one is like the Braxium guys say. What is the motto? No clickbait, no hate, something like that. Yep. Yeah, just like good positive vibes. And people post a lot of their Star Wars tattoos on there, yeah. um, which I think, I think is awesome. cool. And and the Mythosar is one that comes up all the time. Okay. Hmm. Well, yeah. So think of it on a pumpkin, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that could work out. And then the final and one, the porg. A porg. Nice. I know that's not. Mandalorian, but I did try to pick some non-Mandalorian ones. So those are the ones you have to choose from. Do you want to choose oh my the gosh. one that I do this weekend? So I I do think that you should do a Mandalorian themed one. Agreed. As so, much as I want to do the Porg. Yep, I I love the Porg. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm. It's one of the I, signets, I think. Yeah, I think it's. I, I'm partial to the Mudhorn. You want the Mudhorn one? I, I like the Mudhorn. I was thinking the Mudhorn one when I saw it. It, it felt like. Yeah, it, it felt like a good one to put on a pumpkin this year. Very cool. So I will be doing that either tomorrow or Friday or whenever. Cool. Not Friday. I'm, we're going to be recording and watching The Mandalorian. So yes. that's going to be on my agenda. But if you have any, talking to our fans now, great costumes or pumpkin carvings that you would love to show us, we would love to see it. So please reach out to us, Twitter, Facebook, email again. We hope that... We get to see them. We want to see them. We want to share them if you're okay with that. And, you know, just kind of enjoy how you celebrate Halloween and mix it with your fandom for Star Wars. So please reach out to us on that. I will share mine as soon as I'm done with it, as well as the last two that I mentioned that I I had done. Um, It should be a lot of fun, I think, this year just to be watching Mandalorian around Halloween. I know we're all kind of sick of being indoors and there's a surge in, in, in COVID viruses going around again, but you know, let's make the best of it and enjoy it and watch some Mandalorian together. And we'll be here to discuss it with you very shortly too. So very, very exciting stuff. Do you guys, do you bake the pumpkin seeds? 
uh we have in the past i'm not a big fan of them myself uh they're they're a little bit too much for me so yeah um if my I, wife wants them i'm the same way dude i i, I think you know, so people get really excited about baking them but i'm just like so now they are terrible and warm like yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um but cool what do you what do you do with the pumpkin once it starts to uh, age a little bit do you smash it I'll just throw it in the garbage okay i don't know maybe i should smash it I don't want to be vandalism, uh, you know, do any vandalism. Stop vandalism if you own the place. <laughs> well, I was thinking like taking it and throwing it in the parking lot and everyone, right? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's, I don't want it to clean up my mess afterwards. <laughs> Every time I see a pumpkin smash, I think back to um, the episode of The Office where Michael Scott goes up on the roof and oh, yeah. he's going to jump off and <laughs> they test it by throwing off a, a pumpkin. Yeah. Or, or was it a watermelon? It might have been a watermelon. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I, I guess maybe I'm so wrapped up in the Halloween season that I'm just you seeing totally pumpkins are. in places that they don't exist. That's fine. And it's got that classic line in it. Remember? Dwight, you ignorant slut. <laughs> I forgot. I love it. Um, and just like that. Oh, I don't even know where to go from there. Yeah, that's okay. We we we, we call that a soft landing in, in uh, show business. But, um, I like it. But yeah, guys, uh, you know, thank you so much for for listening. As always, uh, we we appreciate it. So from the bottom of our hearts, um, let us express our gratitude by saying uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate you uh, engaging with us on social media. Um, as always, you know, feel free to send us an email or let us know uh, what you want to hear more of or less of. Uh, we're starting to get some messages that are really nice and encouraging. And you know, I think we got into this. Uh, Partly as a creative exercise, but I think partly just to connect with other people who yeah. are our people, who are just Star Wars folks. And uh, we love meeting you guys. We love hearing about where you're from. And, you know, we love being introduced to other cool Star Wars content through you guys and hearing what you're excited about. So thank you. Uh, have a happy, safe Halloween. And uh, and be careful out there if, you, if you're taking your kids out trick-or-treating or whatever. Uh, and as always, uh, we're going to end on a very special note, right? What kind of note is that? I, I, I think it's something that you're going to share with the audience. Oh, is it my turn this time, right? It might be your turn, yeah. Okay. It's a wrap! <laughs>